0: Hello International Church, I'm so super excited to announce the guest speaker from today. His name is Mike Bilovaci. And Mike, I love your way you teach, your black humor, the way you're teaching and explaining the Bible. You have such a fresh, unique, amazing way to explain the Word of God. And I'm so pumped and blessed that you came back to ICF Zurich. And here, Church, let's stand up from the front to the back, from the left to the right. And let's give, with a standing ovation, Mike Bilvacci a big welcome applause in our Church. Hello, Mike Bilavaci on the stage. Come on, Church. Good evening, <laughs> if you may sit down, it is great to be here uh, back at um, ICF Church, yeah. I've been looking forward to being here and I have to be honest with you, I've been particularly looking forward to this service, I'm preaching at all four services uh, but I've been told by all of the leadership that this is the service of the particularly good looking people yeah. and i uh, <laughs> And um, I've been told that this is the favourite service of all the pastors and staff. And uh, you know, this morning the first service, it was all right. And you know, the second service, yeah, it was it was okay. And um, the seven p.m. Well, we just got to get through that, really. Uh, but this one is—I can tell already. I mean, just look at you. You are amazing. And. Uh, um, um, Please, please don't tell those of the other services that I said that, because I, I don't want them to be um I, um I wonder if you remember uh, when you first met Jesus, when you first gave your life to Jesus. You know, when you first saw the Lord Jesus, was there that wow moment? You know, that moment of, oh my goodness, I didn't. I didn't see you, I didn't know you, and now I do. I remember I had that moment many years ago, two months before my 16th birthday. I had been an atheist. I hadn't believed in anything. And then for the first time, I understood the gospel, and I encountered Jesus. And on the 15th of January, I I knelt down on some wet grass, and I asked Jesus to come into my life, and he turned everything around. I don't know if you've had a moment like that when when you have encountered him, uh, maybe when you encountered him maybe for the first time. Uh, We're in Isaiah chapter 6, because I want to look tonight at at Isaiah's wow moment. Uh, And he was a nobleman, and uh, he probably had been going to the temple almost every day of his life, as many of the nobility did in Israel. But there came a moment, he'd been a churchgoer for years, if you like, and then came a moment when he encountered the Lord. And this is how he says it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces With two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke." Isaiah encountered the Lord, and he could name the date, he could name the moment. In the year that King Uzziah died, maybe he was doing the things he'd always done in the temple, but there came that moment of, I see you, Lord. I saw the Lord, and he was high and exalted, and the train of his glory filled the temple, and and the angels were crying, holy, 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 and, and his glory filled the place. You know, Paul talks to uh, the Ephesians about those moments of revelation, you know, where, where, where the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of our hearts. You know, do you remember he prays at one point, I pray that you would know the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of the love of God, which is beyond knowledge. Uh, another place he says, I pray that the eyes of your hearts would be opened so that you would know the hope to which he has called you. His glorious inheritance in you, the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. For, for everyone, I don't know how you can go on as a Christian if you haven't had that wow moment. And I was thinking, how do I describe that in, a, in an everyday way? Well, the only thing I can think of is uh, some years ago, um, I paid my first ever visit to the Grand Canyon in Arizona. How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Again, a fair few of you. Well, those of you that have been, you know it is amazing. And I'd seen the photos before, and I'd watched the documentaries on TV, but nothing prepared me for what I saw. And I was in Los Angeles with a colleague. We were speaking at a conference there. And we had three days off, and I said to my friend, why don't we hire a car and drive to the Grand Canyon? And he said, okay. I didn't realize it was 8 to 10 hour car journey. You had to go through Nevada to get to Arizona. And after about 5 hours, I started to get into a bad mood. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is going on and on and on. And, and, And I was starting to think, what am I doing? I'm spending 10 hours driving to see a big hole in the ground. And then at the end of looking at a big hole in the ground, I've got to drive back 10 hours. Well, after eight hours, we were getting really fed up. By the time we got to the Grand National Park entrance, the Grand National, the Grand Canyon National Park entrance, you know, we were in a terrible mood. And I I said to my friend, they're even charging us to see a hole in the ground. This is ridiculous. And we said, look, the trees, they're like any other trees. There's nothing special about this place. And then we parked the car in the car park, and we saw people, they were all standing looking at something, and I thought, these poor people, some of them have probably driven for hours as well, and they're trying to make the most of it. And I said to my friend, you know what, we may as well go and see the hole in the ground before we make the journey back to Los Angeles. And we walked up, and I remember I walked up like this, it was, uh, and then I got to the edge. And then it was suddenly I saw it. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, flipping, flipping, wow. I looked at my friend, I said, wow. He looked at me, he said, wow. We looked at everyone else and we both said, wow. Everybody was saying, wow. And I spent about half an hour feasting my eyes on the sight for those of you poor people who have never seen the Grand Canyon, <laughs> it's, it's over 2,000 meters deep. It's, it's, it's like miles wide and even more mi- miles long. Um, you can fly a plane through it, and planes do fly through it. And the colors and the, and the scenery, and there's the Colorado River in the distance at the bottom. It is stunning. And we stood there, and we just, we just looked And we just kept saying, wow, quietly to ourselves. And then after 30 minutes, we got in the car, and we drove another 20 minutes to another place. And we stopped the car, and we went to the edge again. And this was a completely different view. But as we got to the edge, it was more wows. I spent the whole day saying, wow. And after a while, we've discovered that you could walk down the Grand Canyon. There were various trails, and uh, uh, we found that we decided that we would walk down the, um, the Bright Angel Trail. Have, have any of you done the Bright Angel Trail? Any of you? None of you? Only, only me? <laughs> I'm the only person who has braved the Bright Angel Trail. Well, I tell you, I tell you, you don't know what you've missed. And and we started down the trail, and it just snaked down. And every time you turned a corner, it was like a new view. And it was like, oh, my goodness. And we got a third of the way down when suddenly I realized I'm going to have to get up again. (laughs) And it's easier going downhill than uphill. And my friend, who was younger and a lot fitter than me, he said, I'll go down to the bottom, and I'll meet you on the way up. And I thought, you're going to abandon me in the middle of the Grand Canyon in the, in the Arizona heat? He said, yes. <laughs> so I started walking up on my own. And after a while, I thought I was going to die. And I met these, I met these, um, these other tourists. And by this stage, I was dehydrated. I was hot, I was sweating, my legs were killing me, my back was killing me, everything was killing me. And I was thinking, this is never going to end, I'm going to die here. And they said, did you come down here all on your own? I said, no, I came with a colleague, I thought he was a friend, but he left me here to die. He is trying to murder me. And they felt sorry for me and they started giving me drinks. And then, and then I said, you know, I just, I just feel I'm losing energy. And they took the hint and they started feeding me chocolate and cakes and things. And they became my support group. And then when we got near the top, my friend who'd run to the bottom and run back up, he came up and he, he, he caught up with me. And as he came up, he was smiling, hello. And I pointed to him and I said to them, that's the murderer. <laughs> uh, and they all looked at him with suspicion. But we got to the top, and when we got to the top, I looked back again, and I thought again, oh, wow. Oh, wow. It was fantastic. Have you had that moment with the Lord? You know, reading about the Grand Canyon, seeing the photos, it was fine, but it wasn't enough. Even hearing stories from other people. Other people told me it was very nice. Nothing prepared me for what I saw. Nothing prepared me for when I first met the Lord. Nothing prepared Isaiah for when he first met the Lord. But after the wow comes something else, the woe. Listen to what he says. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Now, Do you know, Isaiah, have you noticed he said, "'I'm a man of unclean lips, "'and I live among a people of unclean lips.'" Do you know, Isaiah was known as the golden-tongued prophet. He would have been so proud about his powers of speech, his oratory, his book, The Prophecy Isaiah, has some of the most beautiful language in the whole Bible. It is like pure poetry. He would have been so proud about his lips, but when he saw the Lord, suddenly he said, woe is me, woe to me, for that thing which I was most proud of, my lips, my tongue, my speech, it's its nothing in comparison to the beauty I have just seen. And you know that's what happens when we encounter the Lord, when we see his beauty, his glory, his holiness. The very first response was, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. Now I just want to tell you something that must stay in confidence between us and I know it will because you are the international congregation and so I, you you are trustworthy in a whole new way and, uh, and uh, please don't repeat this to the other congregations because it's not fair but I just want to say something if I may about Bjorn um, this is hard to say but I'm going to say it Bjorn used to be very arrogant. He used to be very proud. And you know the thing that he was arrogant about? His body. He used to stand in front of a mirror, and he used to go like this, and he used to say to himself, oh my goodness, look at my body. I am such a – whoa, no wonder, no wonder ladies can't keep their eyes off me. No wonder I'm such a stud, and he would take his shirt off and he would just stand there for hours admiring himself. And then something happened to change all that. Just under a year ago, Bjorn met me. <laughs> and then he saw a vision of perfect masculinity. That isn't supposed to be funny. (laughs) He saw a vision of perfect masculinity. And when he saw me, he said, Woe is me, for I am a man of puny body. And I dwell among a people of puny bodies. For I have seen a vision of perfection. I have seen stunning handsomeness. That's what happens when we see Jesus when we see Jesus the thing that we were even most proud of we say oh no woe is me I'm ruined because in the light of his perfect beauty and holiness we realize our sinfulness we realize our brokenness what does the Lord do the Lord doesn't say oh come on Isaiah you're not so bad really you're quite a good speaker He doesn't say that. Do you know what he does? This is what happens. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Where does the coal come from? It comes from the altar. What is the altar? The altar is the place of sacrifice. The altar represents the cross. When we encounter Jesus, when we see his beauty, the very next thing that happens is we see our, our sinfulness, our brokenness, our shame. And you know what the Lord does? He doesn't say, No, you're not dirty. He says, I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to cleanse you. And it comes from the place of sacrifice. The cleansing comes from the cross of Jesus. And he comes and he says, see, your sin is atoned for and your guilt is taken away. Because the perfect, the pure, the holy, the righteous, the the beautiful became sin for us. He who had no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he comes and he touches the things that we become most ashamed of. I love, there was one song we sang earlier. I love the words of that song. It spoke of some of these things. And and we know we are cleansed. And then after the wow comes the woe. And once you've had the wow and the woe, comes finally the go. My talk is entitled, Wow, Woe, Go. And this is the only service that I can say that properly because it doesn't translate properly into German. And, uh, but, and listen to this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, said Isaiah, I said, here I am. Send me. Send me. I will go. Do you know? You can't really go unless you've had the wow and the woe. I meet some Christians who are who, who want to go and tell others about Jesus, but there's not the wow in their heart. They've not had that encounter with His Majesty, and then they sound like insurance salesmen. They sound like second-hand car salesmen, and it's like and it's all duty. Have you ever met the the, the dutiful Christian? Oh, but, I've got to tell people about Jesus. And and have you ever been in a church where they preach the sermon? If you don't tell people about Jesus, they will die not knowing Jesus. Then they will go to eternal torment and it'll be your fault because you did not tell. And then we think, oh, no, I've got to go and tell people about. Jesus. I've got to go up to people in the street. <gasps> I've got to say to my neighbours, my person next to me at work. Oh dear, how am I going to do this? Oh dear! Oh, I like. and, and 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 it just kills us. It kills us. That's not how it's meant to be. When you've had the wow, when you, this is Valentine's Day, and uh, I tell you, I'm going back to England tomorrow, and. I tell—I I mean, apparently, um, the the postman, the royal, the mail they have they, they i have i have had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of parcels and packages that are, are filling my house and all the next-door neighbors' houses. It's going to take me months to open them all. Okay, so I have a few fantasies, don't you? And, and you know on Valentine's Day, you, don't you, have, have, you, have, you ever, have, have you ever met someone after they've just fallen in love? Uh huh. Do you remember uh, just after you fell in love? Do you remember what happened to your brain? It went funny. I have a friend like that. His name is Andy. And uh, he used to be a normal human being. He used to be a normal man. And then one day he met Beth, who is now his wife. And for the first weeks and months after he met Beth, I tell you, he would not shut up about Beth. He became the most boring human being in the world. Every conversation we had, it was like, oh, Beth, oh, Beth, oh, Beth. And, and you'd be talking to him, and his eyes would glaze over, and this smile would come over him. And I'd say, what's the matter? And he said, oh, no, sorry, I was just thinking of Beth. And, and it would just go on and on. And after a while, I thought, I'm going to try and think of subjects we can talk about where he can't talk about Beth. So one time I went up to him, and I said, Hey, Andy, Andy, what did you think of the service, of the celebration? How, what did you think of the worship? He said, Oh, the worship was wonderful. Did you hear Beth's voice? It was like an angel singing. Oh, and, and the way she, when she when she flicks her hair, ah. Oh. And I was like, oh, please. And then one day I said to him, hey, Andy, last night, did you see the football? Did you see the soccer? What did you think of Manchester United? And he said, oh, I thought they played quite well. He said, he, then he said, do you know Wayne Rooney? I said, yes. And he said, do you know, there's something about Wayne Rooney that reminds me of Beth. I was like, what planet are you on? What planet are you... Seriously, seriously, he went crazy. And do you know, honestly, no one had to say to him, now, Andy, now that you've met Beth, now that you have seen the wonder of Beth, now that you have experienced the beauty of Beth, you must spend the rest of your life telling everyone about Beth. You mustn't let anyone die without knowing Beth. Everybody must must know Beth. No one said to him, you must have photos of Beth uh, on your iPhone, and you must show them to everybody you see in the street. No one said that to him, but he did. He couldn't stop talking about Beth. And he never thought. woke up in the morning thinking, oh no, I've got to talk about Beth today. I've got to witness about Beth. Oh, I've got to tell people. Oh no. He didn't think like that. He couldn't shut up. That's what happens when you're in love that's what happens when you begin to see the Lord and to love him you can't it overflows we talk about that which we love and that's what evangelism is meant to be I am I've been to the Grand Canyon 10 more times since that first time I have. I mean, I don't pay to go. I, I go and speak at conferences, so they pay, and, and then I just, I just go to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> and, uh, and, and do you know, all the other times I've been, I've taken people with me. I've become the Grand Canyon tour guide. I have. I'm very, very good. And, and I take people with There was one time I, I took a minibus full from my church. They came with me to be the ministry team in Los Angeles. And I said, we're going to hire a minibus and we're going to drive to the Grand Canyon. And they said, great. And then one of them said, how long will it take? And I said, oh, not very long. And then they got in the minibus. And after five hours, I had a rebellion on my hands. I nearly had a church split. They were like, this is ridiculous we've been five hours in this minibus and and we've got another five hours to go and we're just going to see a big hole in the ground and then we've got to drive 10 hours back what's he done to us we're going to join another church we're going to join a church that doesn't treat us like this and then after eight hours I mean honestly they some of them were ready to renounce their faith and and all of that and then when we got to the entrance to the Grand Canyon National Park They said, can you believe it? They're charging us money to see a hole in the ground. Mm." And then we got to the car park and I was saying to them, I was saying, Yes, it is. It's a big hole in the ground. Yes, you're right. I mean, what can we do? We may as well, we may as well have a look at the hole in the ground now, but I knew, I knew. So I would go, yes. And I was like, and then they got out, and as we walked to the thing, I kept looking at them and they were like, "Mm -hmm." and then I was going, here we go, here we go. And then I I saw them when they got to the end, they got to the edge. and they suddenly went, mm. oh, oh, wow, wow. And all 16 people were going to each other, wow, wow. And I was looking at them, I was saying, like, wow, see, big hole in the ground, isn't it? A, isn't it a great yellow, wow, yeah, I remember I wowed when I, yeah. And then after a while, I so enjoyed seeing them going, wow. After a while, I thought, I better have another look. And so I had a look and you know it was like the first time i ever saw the grand canyon it took my breath away again it's not just once we see the beauty of god it's regularly regularly to see his wonder he takes your breath away and you know i ever since i met the lord jesus the, the, the thing I love the most is introducing other people to him. Last night, we were up in, in the mountains in the pre-Alps with your young people. They're all up there on a, on a camp. And when we go on a camp, we go on to a field and we put tents and we just sit in the tents while it rains. You go to a camp and you go skiing and snowboarding and it's not fair. <laughs> but we went up there and last night, we had a meeting with your young people. And at the end, these two young people, a boy and a girl, came forward to give their lives to Jesus for the first time. And, you know, yeah. And like, just like you, it was like, oh, wow. This is a holy moment. They've met him. And, they were, and it was like they were both crying. And they weren't crying because, well, maybe they were crying because of the talk. But hopefully they were crying because of Jesus. And, 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 and it was like, I thought, I know what this feels like. I remember Wow, wow, wow. So, as with Isaiah, so with you and me. First comes the wow of encounter. Then comes the woe is me, for I see what I'm really like. Then comes the cleansing. And then is the go. Go and tell the world about the one you love.